Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&Ms. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from Hollywood, Hollywood, Florida, at the Margarita Resort, Margaritaville Resort. Taking your calls at 888-887-3837. That's 888-88-PETER. And if you can't get through on the phones, you know the drill. Email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number. Question or problem, we'll solve it right here on the air. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Peter S. Greenberg or Facebook, facebook.com slash Peter Greenberg. Uh, the landscape of Florida is constantly changing. The beachscape is constantly changing. And here we are at a place called Margaritaville, which, as you might suspect, uh, is affiliated with a certain Mr. Jimmy Buffett. So, attention parrot heads, you now have a home away from home, or at least one that you think is a home away from home. Uh, joining me now is uh, an old buddy of mine. He's a comedian, director, radio personality, a fugitive from justice, 
Handsome Devil. Handsome Devil. Uh, for those people old enough to remember uh, an ABC show called The Home Show, we were, uh, we were a duo on that show called The Travel Boys. And uh, I, he always got me in trouble. Will Schreiner. It was the most fun I had on a show. It was And I went around the world with you. We How many did. people have tried? We went to yeah. Hong Kong, went to London. We went to Mexico on a Hawaii, cruise. Hawaii. Hawaii. We spent seven days in Hawaii. Peter on the plane was filling out his life insurance. This was the bit. And so he, and I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm filling out my life insurance. So he falls asleep. So I put my name in as best beneficiary. And then I'm trying to kill him all across. We were in Kauai. We left you in a helicopter. We left. We let. Hey, Peter, get out and pick some flowers. We left in a helicopter. He, I cut his line scuba diving. I, we were in a parasail. You kept washing up on the beach of the next location. I kept on washing up on the beach, yes. That was a very funny bit. Yes, that was my inspiration to lose weight when I saw the picture of myself washing up on the beach. <laughs> well, if you remember the one we did in Orlando. We went to Orlando. We did everything that wasn't Disney. And, 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 and there's a shot of us. He's in the shower. And we pull back. And I'm in the same shower. We go, boy, this home show is so cheap. They could have got us two rooms. <laughs> <laughs> they aired that, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, at the end of my career. Scared children. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about where we are now because you're no longer living in Los Angeles. You're living here. I, and Jimmy Buffett's the reason I'm living here. Many years ago in like 2004, I met Jimmy and uh, we were talking about seaplanes and watches and all this stuff. And he said, read this book, Hoot, by Carl Hyacinth. Tell me what you think. So I read the book and I said, that's going to make a great movie. He goes, well, I thought so too. I optioned the book. So how do we get it made? So I said, well, the key to selling, if the book hadn't been bought already in, in galleys, then let's, let's get a screenplay that we all like, and we'll go out and sell that. So Jimmy picked me up in his, in his plane, and we flew down in the seaplane. We, no, no, we were in his little, he had a Falcon at the time, a little Falcon. And we picked up Carl Hyacinth, who's the most nervous flyer you've ever been with. And so Carl, we pick him up in Marathon, and we go down to Key West, and we talk about, I'll write it if I can direct it. That was the deal. And over a fish sandwich in the Keys, we shook on it, and then I came back. I wrote the script, gave it to Carl. He gave me notes. I gave it to Jimmy. He gave me notes. Then he gave it to Frank Marshall of Kennedy Marshall fame, who were big producers. Frank read it and said, oh, I think the kid could have a better arc with the dad. And I said, he's absolutely right. I'll rewrite it to fix, fix that. And we took it to our first meeting at Walden, which was making a lot of kids' books into movies. They did Narnia and a bunch of other ones. And they bought the – They bought. we had a great meeting. We walked out, and we're all high-five. And we've never had a meeting go that well before. We get on Jimmy's plane to go to the MGM because he, he has a Margaritaville in, in Las Vegas. And when we land, we get the call, you're making the movie. <laughs> and it was that simple. Wow. One meeting, one sale. And you did. And we made the movie here in, in Fort Lauderdale. We shot most of it in Fort Lauderdale. We created this little sleepy little Florida town that doesn't really exist, and the studio executives never quite understood. Well, I don't understand. How can the kid leave the boatyard and then be at the golf course? Well, the boatyard's in Fort Lauderdale. The golf course is in Boca Grande. So we just would weave together through the magic of movie making this little fake Florida town called Coconut Grove, Coconut Cove, and that's the town where the kid grew up. So we, it's, it's really... Some of it we shot in Ocean Reef down at, on, on the Elliott Key on the sandbar. Some of it we shot out, out west. We got a helicopter and we shot a lot of Florida. And in the opening, the kid was supposed to be from Montana. And they, they, they didn't really like the opening because it started on the school bus. And I said, well, if you remember page one that you didn't tear out, the kid starts on a horse in Montana. <laughs> so they go, okay, we're going to give you the money to do that. So we got a helicopter, went to Montana, shot beautiful Montana. We got all this great aerials of the kid riding around in the, in the Livingston Valley, in the Paradise Valley there. And then they said, that's so beautiful. Where's Florida from the area? I go, well, that's just another day with a helicopter. So they gave me two days with a helicopter. And we really <laughs> got a beautiful opening sequence that I'm very proud of. 
and you're still living here. And, you know, we went back to L.A. We were editing the movie at the gallery in Sherman Oaks, which you know very well. I do. You, you get a lot of your clothes here. And, uh, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we were editing there and driving from Woodland Hills to the gallery. It was like a 45-minute drive. It's like six miles. The traffic. And my wife and I said, well, Florida was so great because when we lived here, we lived on it. We rented a house on the Los Olas Isles. We had our boat at the dock. We'd go out for the wine cruise. And we sold our house in May of 06 and never looked back. And I go back to see my beautiful kids every once in a while. But uh, I don't miss Los Angeles at all. And the lifestyle here is okay. Oh, it's great. I mean, I so live. You you're, know. you're a Fort Lauderdale guy. Well, in Fort Lauderdale, where I live, I'm five minutes to the beach, five minutes to the airport, and five minutes to downtown. I literally call my wife as I'm walking up the jetway and say, "Come pick me up," and she picks me up at, at uh, arrivals. Yeah, as you said, the, the, I've been doing that for years. That's the one. No, that's she your picks best you up. Advice. No, she picks you up at departures. De- departures. Right. The op- we do the opposite. opposite she, and yeah. I always have to go where. And the other day, she was supposed to pick us up, and at, at uh, Natalie and I came back on Wednesday. And she, she of course was at departures, and I walked out because she checked the bag against my my better judgment. So we couldn't find her. Where are you? She goes, "I'm where I'm supposed to be." <laughs> no, you always have to be a contrarian traveler. You d- disobey every airport sign and you'll get to where you need to go. Oh, no, you have the best advice. I mean, if people listen to you, uh, it would make life easier. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I was doing a, on the home show. I did 100,000 miles a year, and yeah. it's not fun. No, it's not fun. So the idea is you know it's not going to be fun, so how do you reduce the misery? Right. You know, how do you kind of alleviate some of the pain? I have one word, how you reduce the misery, private jet. <laughs> when I was working with Jimmy, he's a private jet. When are we leaving for L.A., boss? <laughs> Wheels up at one. Pull my car right up to the stairs of the plane. That was the best living. You're I so miss Jimmy. Jimmy, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so spoiled of you. Oh, we were writing the. We were writing the, uh, the. The when we were working on the script, he picked me up in a seaplane. We flew down to Carl's place in Isla Mirada. We landed the plane in the back bay. Carl comes out in his fishing boat, picks us up. The plane goes away. We meet, have lunch, and we call the plane. Comes back, lands in the back bay, picks us up. And we come home. He goes, do you know how much of our lives we saved? I go, yes, I do. No, you know what? There's a lot to be said when you can minimize the schlep. Yes, yes. You know, and if, by the way, if you don't know the word schlep means, then you are a schlepper. <laughs> then you're a schlepper. <laughs> you're well, a but look at all these empty legs and these, all these fractional things. This is the new way to change the way. Well, you, you know what? What's happening now in, in private jet aviation is not, it's becoming less and less private because the economic model has changed. Sure. And when we come back, we should talk about that because what's happening, it's happening across the board now. If you don't know what an empty leg is, I'll tell you when we come back because it's an opportunity for you to hop on a plane that was going to be flying empty anyway. Right, sure. And the owner wants just some incremental revenue. The plane's got to fly anyway. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you jump on it? And if you have two or three of your friends with you, now it becomes economically viable. Yeah, they're running a net jet from Fort Lauderdale right to White Plains every day, and they sell seats on it. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Shriner, uh, well, Margaritaville obviously has a Jimmy Buffett theme, but the danger of all these things, of course, is you get over-themed. Sure, right? sure, sure. I don't feel that here, though. No, it's be- it's a beautiful facility. I mean, it's bright and cheery. Uh, you know, the wave machine, uh, the, the Margaritaville restaurants, I, I, I've eaten in many of them. They're terrific. i got to tell you, I was in uh, Mexico. I was in Cancun. Yeah, there's one in Cancun. There's yeah. one. There's a Margaritaville there right at the airport. I think there's and, one in Ocho Rios as well. In, there in could Jamaica. be. A, and yeah. I have to tell you, I walked in there and... The food was okay. I kept on thinking, okay, this is all going to be bad fried food. Right. You know, because 
That's what you think of these places. It was pretty good. Well, the one in Vegas, I think he's one of the most uh, 700 dinners a night. It's one of the most successful restaurants in the country. Unreal. Three, th- three floors. I mean, you know, he, he, Jimmy, the thing I find, like about Jimmy is every year he improves himself in some new way. You know, he learned immersive French. He went to Pontreal to speak French for a month. He learned to snowboard. He's always challenging himself. He's really, a, I mean, uh, for a guy who's, I think Jimmy's in his mid to late 60s now, I mean, he's always challenges himself. I mean, you know, from being a self-made guy, you know, from playing guitars in a restaurant to being, you know, the hit that he is with the beer, the clothes, the, you know, I, I, you know, I, I really am impressed. I, I feel like I should work harder, <laughs> and you should too. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I mean, when you walk in the lobby, it's it's a themed resort. There's no right. doubt about it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all the, the the I walked into the restaurant. And they were they had a video of Jimmy playing cheeseburgers in Paris, sure, yeah. which of course is just about his his uh, his theme, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What about the flip flops? Oh, that my, we, we did that. My wife sent us a message. Send us the picture of the Natalie in front of the giant flip flop. So she okay. looks uh, tiny compared to this flip flop. What, what are these flip flops? Oh, it's just it's a, a sculpture. It's like a, a, a ceramic sculpture of a flip flop. It has a little toe fungus on it, which I thought was not <laughs> right, but that's the way they should be. Um, but no, it's a beautiful, you know, and then they got the wave. They got a wave machine out there. The band shell is a historic thing. That's been here since the 30s, I think. And they used to entertain down here. I mean, this whole boardwalk has been revived by this property. It's been a flagship, and there's now there's, you could never park down here. I never came down here because there wasn't parking. So they have like a eight, I don't know, seven or eight floor parking structure below the hill. And that, I'm sure they had to do that to satisfy the city. I think this, uh, yeah, I think the CRV, which is the development area of Hollywood, had a p- yeah. big piece of this. But now you have the diplomat. You can come down here in a water taxi uh, from Fort Lauderdale. Oh, I, I saw the water taxi parked yeah. out in front. The, oh, it's the, a, the, the, the yellow water taxi. Sure, yeah. it's a regular stop. So if you're staying up in Fort Lauderdale, you can come down here for lunch or dinner and then go back on the water taxi. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, the, the cool thing about Fort Lauderdale that people don't understand about the water taxi is the guys who run them. They know everything. They know where everybody lives. No, <laughs> they're making up half that stuff. I live, grew up here. Stop it! Before Stop they make it up, there's Johnny Weissmiller's house. That island wasn't even here when Johnny Weissmiller was alive. <laughs> Those guys are full of baloney, but it works, you know. Thanks for sharing. I go by my old house. My old house. Uh, when I was a kid, we lived on the end of one of the Los Olas Islands. My, we sold. My parents died. We sold the house for hundred. $140,000. Somebody bought it from us. They kept it for a long time, sold it for $4 million. Guy bought that, three other lots, scraped it, bought a villa in, in Italy. And, and brought it the, back. Brought the tiles back for the roof of his house. Built this beautiful, now it's, a, it's on the market for $40 million. So I take my friends by and I go, I grew up right there. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there. It was a little concrete block house. It was nothing, you know. But, you know, it's Fort Lauderdale. It's a great town. But so, I will say something about the water taxi, guys. Even if they make it up, it's a very entertaining tour. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, only two or three people drown hailing a taxi a week. So that's pretty good. <laughs> and you can, go in, you can go on the Jungle Queen, which goes up and down the river, and you can see all the houses in foreclosure. It's a fascinating tour. You want to explain that? <laughs> Not anymore. It's gotten better. Things have gotten a whole lot better, yeah. But yeah. for a well, while here, it wasn't. Oh, it was bad. People in, in Nigeria were getting emails from U.S. banks. It was so bad. <laughs> That's Will Schreiner, comedian, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what what keeps you here? Um, well, the, the the promise of one day doing a radio show with you from Margaritaville <laughs> has been pretty much the driving force. Now I'd probably gonna, I'm gonna, probably going to move to Idaho or somewhere. I love it here. We got the sun. We've got the waterways. I'm a pilot, yeah. and I have some property in the Bahamas, so we go out there. My daughter's with me. We're going to go scuba diving in Key Largo tomorrow. It's got so much to offer. That, you know, I don't. I mean, I, I used to direct a lot of sitcoms. I directed Frasier and Raymond and Becker and a lot of those shows. And those shows, when they ended, so did sort of an era of great writing and television. So, I, you know, I'm happy to be here. I go back and forth once in a while and direct things, but uh, I really like the lifestyle here. 
I saw a picture you posted on Facebook recently of uh, you and Jay Leno. Jay was here for yeah. the for the Boys and Girls Club, yeah. and I call you know Jay and I've been friends for thirty years, yeah. and so I said ah, you want to have lunch, you know? <laughs> okay. So I picked him up, and uh, we went to lunch, and then we called Paul, who you were on the radio show, of course, with, yeah. and, and Paul, I say, hey Paul, where's a good Italian restaurant? And he's you know, and he's one of the go here, and and Jay goes, hey, you want to come with us? Paul was, you know, he was ecstatic. He's been talking about it for three weeks. He wrote right. an article about it. But Jay's one of the nicest guys. Everybody yeah. in the restaurant came over and said hello, and he was very gracious and did a bunch of pictures. And, uh, you know, Jay, have you ever been in his car museum? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, well the one, not the museum, his well, actual warehouse. Yeah, his, it's not really a museum. It's yeah. his private collection. Yeah, yeah. But he's got every motorcycle. You're a motorcycle guy. He's had yeah. every motorcycle in the world. And as a matter of fact, I gave him a papoose, which if you'll probably remember, World War II, they used to throw him out of an airplane with a, heli- with a right. parachute. And they would, and I had this thing rotting away in my warehouse, and I thought, who better to give it to? I said, gave it to Jay. He's in the middle of restoring it, so it was, you know, it's 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 a fun place to be. Everybody comes through here. I mean, we what, we had fifty five thousand people get on cruise ships at Port Everglades last weekend. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. I have seen a lot. I see more friends coming through here than I do when I'm in Los Angeles. And things have changed that way. It's it's become a destination. Sure, but sure. not just a destination for vacationing. It's a destination that people actually work and live. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've, and it's kind of different. Miami's its own sort of world. South Beach and Miami's its own world. We don't go down there much. Fort Lauderdale's its own little world. And as you get up north, Boca's its own little world. We were just up in Vero. Vero is very sleepy. Well, up that's there. old Dodger Town. Yeah, that's where we were. My, my nephew was playing baseball at Dodger Town. We went in but there. But the Dodgers don't play there anymore. Nobody plays there anymore. They have these kids' training camps there now. But they still have the fields. Oh, yeah, the fields there. I mean, it's, it's fabulous. Wow. Yeah. We, we could actually go out and play. Yeah, yeah, we could. <laughs> we you could. Would, I could see you and I throwing a ball around. I, I still play ball. What are you talking about? I, what do you play? You play softball? I play softball. Okay. First base. Well, yeah, these I'm guys were playing hardball up there. Oh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. I have two words for that. Yeah. Orthopedic surgery. Yes. Yeah. Well, Peter, Peter, when we traveled, you always you, you you always had a good time traveling. We always ate well. We lived well. But yeah. I don't remember you going to the gym when we were on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this will be Will's last appearance on oh, the show. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> will you put that in writing? <laughs> I will put that in writing. No, you know what? You know I'm a fireman in New York. That's my exercise. That that kills you. Yeah. But no, I'm not a gym. You couldn't pay me to go to a gym because I don't have the discipline to do that. So there's or, no or the schedule. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're a busy guy. I yeah. I, when I see your schedule, I get all your emails. I mean, yeah. you don't stop. When are you gonna? And I said that to Jay once. I said, Why don't you slow down, enjoy? And he goes, I'm afraid if I stop, then I'll never go back to work. Now, I don't have that problem. <laughs> but cause, but a lot of guys, and Seinfeld's yeah. the same way. Those guys, are they want to keep, you know, keep sharp. They want to keep working. Jay's still doing 180 dates a year. I mean, how, I'm sure you're on the road. What are you on the road? 300? Oh, at least. At yeah. least 300, yeah. yeah. And when you go back to that, tra- that double-wide trailer you have up in, uh, <laughs> is it in, in Okeechobee? Where is that double-wide that you live in most of the time? Well, I've been on that beautiful boat. And as a matter of fact, my daughter's the first one that fell off the dock into the water off that boat. And <laughs> that so is true. I will warn that anybody that Peter true. invites out on the boat. <laughs> but that's, what is that, a 60-foot boat? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice hatter. So I've, I've had that boat for 22 years now. I know. I remember when you bought it. Yeah. Yeah, with home show money. No, no, I bought, <laughs> no, I, no they were never paying us that much at ABC. No, no. no. No, I, I I leased that boat because my house was destroyed in the earthquake in '94. I remember that, and yeah. you got State Farm or somebody to bulldoze your house on camera for the home show. No, no, they didn't do it. We had to do it anyway. Yeah, but you got it on. You got a whole camera piece. No, I got a whole well, story said, out. I said, let's do it for television. Yeah. As long as you got to bulldoze the house, I was me on the bulldozer doing it live for ABC. You came out. For I that. remember. And didn't they find like an old uh, oh, junkyard my God. under your property when they finally bulldozed everything? My house had been there for like 40 years. Uh, and, they hadn't been, me. and hadn't been redecorated in four years. <laughs> so Stop <go> it. Yeah. <laughs> they called me and they said, you're not going to believe this. We found another house under your house. Yeah, that's what, and they found car parts. And they found automobiles. Turns out that in the, in the 1930s, before that house was built, 
all that area in Sherman Oaks in California were like orange groves, and mm. that was it was a junkyard, and people just threw stuff in that junkyard, right. and they built it over it. I thought it was an Indian burial ground. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That house was very – so you, you, you no longer have that. That was a cool house because you had rooms from every hotel. No, I built that house yeah. out of 47 hotels. Yeah. Yeah. It was and, very, very, yeah. very cool. And it's tough to get that stuff in your suitcase when you leave it. <laughs> I know. I, I have a robe. I got a robe from Marta Breedville. I already grabbed it. Did you really? No. 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 You have two robes. <laughs> I got two robes. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I want you to come back a little bit later in the show and talk about some serious stuff about travel. And can you do that? Yeah, can you actually be serious? I had the chicken Zika for dinner tonight. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have that strange glow about you. Yes. Yes, frothing at the mouth, Mr. Will Schreiner. All right, Mr. Schreiner. Listen, when we come back, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to... Have somebody bring my car around. <laughs> When we come back, we're going to talk to Mike Boyd about some serious issues in aviation. A little bit later in the show, in hour two, Will's going to come back and annoy us again. Riding along in my automobile, my baby beside me at the wheel, cruising and playing the radio, with no particular place to go. Earlier in the show, we were joined by my old pal, comedian, director, and basic disruptor, Will Schreiner. Um, and then uh, we talked a little bit with Mike Boyd about what's really developing into a very frustrating and debilitating situation with airline frequent flyer awards and whether or not they're even worth anything these days. And, Will, I know you have something to say about that. Well, no, because when I was going to Australia, my daughter and I wanted to go visit. My son was in Brisbane. And I said to the American Airlines uh, Awards thing, I said, I'd like to get two tickets, two first-class tickets to Australia and use my miles. She laughed. She literally giggled. She said, you're not going to Australia this summer on miles. And I said, she said, no, I'm serious. There are no award seats on that. So that that was frustrating. Last time I used my miles, I went to uh, Paris. It was 150,000 miles each ticket to go round-trip first-class to Paris and back. Yeah. It's expensive, and, you know. I don't know. I, I, I get frustrated by that. And I, and I think I'm glad you guys are talking about that because, you know, we, we used to think that we wanted to have all these miles so we could take a great trip. But you're right. The seats are hard to come by. Not only that, the inducement to join was that at 25,000 miles, you'd be on a beach somewhere. Right. First of all, I want, to, I want somebody to show me that they've been able to redeem anything for 25,000 miles. Because right. what the airlines do now, it's a game of extortion. You finally have enough miles. You go to redeem them. And assuming they want to give you anything, they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Schreiner, we don't have them at 25000 we have them at fifty. Well, you know, if you went into a car dealer and you wanted to buy a, a Toyota Corolla and they said, I'm sorry, we don't have a Corolla, but we have a Lexus, the car dealer goes to jail. It's called bait and switch. It's a felony yeah. in every U.S. state. But the airlines are exempt from that under deregulation. There's not one attorney general in any state that's allowed to, to basically follow that because yeah. they're protected. Yeah. So they're, they're under no mandate federal or otherwise, to reveal the number of frequent flyer award seats they have on any one flight, or for that matter, the number of seats on any price that they're advertising. So they can advertise a seat for $149. It may not even exist. But then when you call up, it's $198. Right, right, right. So why is it that every other industry is regulated that way for the benefit of the consumers who should know and have a choice, and the airline industry's not? Why is that? Because we all felt sorry for the airline industries for a while, so now we're letting them get away with these fees. The fees drive me crazy. You know, yeah. Spirit, you know, you have to, it's, it's $5 for a bag of peanuts. If you want to open an overhead bin, it's $30. How about this, if you want a boarding pass? Yeah. Oh, you, you got to print your own. Yeah, right. You, yeah. Oh, I know. 
I, so, I was used to be medallion status on all the airlines. Now I'm at rust status because I don't. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. I lost a few, and you know, I few, lost a few miles because I wasn't using it. And I forgot about them. Well, there are some frequent flyer programs that actually work. Mm-hmm. You got to like them. Uh, JetBlue has a good program. Right. Southwest has the best program. Yeah. You know why? Because they also have an affiliated credit card. And here's the way they do it. And they don't advertise this, but it actually is in existence. The minute you get to 110,000 points, now you can earn those points by never even flying, just using the credit card, right? You could fly, earn points that way, combine it, whatever. But the minute you get to 110,000, the clock starts ticking, and for the next year, everywhere you travel, your companion goes for free. Oh, yeah. The, the Virgin, Virgin America has companion tickets when you get their credit card. Right. And when you have the Virgin Visa, you can pre you, board, you get to board like in the second group. Of course. Yeah. But Which is nice because, uh, you know, I, I'd like to get on and get it. I'm a carry-on guy like you. And if you don't, and nowadays, if you don't get on with the, with the first wave, you're, you're out of luck. Right. But the thing about that companion pass, which I think is funny, and you'll probably find a joke in this, but in that one-year period that your companion can fly for free, Southwest allows you to change the name of that companion up to three times. Oh. So, so, <laughs> so if the relationship's not going yeah, very well, yeah. you know, go find another companion. Yeah. Darling, I'd like to put you down as a companion, but I don't know where this relationship is going. <laughs> and it's yeah. not going to Cleveland. <laughs> I was on a Southwest flight when the music, they board you in groups, and when the music stops, if you don't have a seat, you get off and you get on the next flight. So Stop it. Uh, true story. <laughs> not true. I have a million travel stories because, you know, like you, I travel a lot, and now the, you know, the idea of being on the road is not that appealing. No. And same thing with hotel points. I mean, it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher with blackout periods. So where do you go with that? The answer is you have to cure your own addiction. You have to cure your own addiction to these programs because we are. If the redemption rates are under 8%, why are we putting everything on these credit cards to earn miles we can't redeem anyway? Mm-hmm. It's a win-win for everybody but us. But I know people that have taken flights just to get to their next status. Oh, those are called the mileage runs. Yeah, yeah. And, and in those days, you know, you'd see people you know, going between L.A. and San Francisco four different times to get the number of legs needed. Oh, for segments, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those days are over. They're not even doing those kind of bonuses anymore. Right, right. And now the airlines have changed their programs. Delta's changed theirs. United's changed theirs. American is about to change theirs to make it even harder. A fare-based program, which means... In the old days, if you flew 1,000 miles on your flight, no matter what you paid for your ticket, you got 1,000 miles. Now, unless you're a full fare economy business or first-class passenger, you get a, f- a fraction of those miles. Right, yeah. So if you fly 1,000 miles on a discounted ticket, you get 300 miles. Right. So it's not only harder to earn them now, it's also harder to redeem them. Right. So, and, and some of these airlines have been around. Like, remember Eastern, when they were around, yeah. the flight attendants were so old that their arthritis, they couldn't point to the doors, Stop the exit it. doors. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. You're, you're, you're getting me in trouble here. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kathy's laughing. <laughs> Our producer's laughing because she doesn't have to get the calls. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Call me directly. Yeah, I will. At Here's Peter number. 1-800-PETER. <laughs> How'd you get that number? That. <laughs> I'm not inviting you back. It's over. It's just, I only see you about it once every three years, which, I know. Is, which is plenty for it's me. Plenty for, it's plenty for me, too. But how many miles do you have now? On, on uh, American, I have about 300,000. All right, so you, you better burn them off soon. I'm going to, you, you've been saying that for years. I mean, your advice has been good you know, for many, many years. And you're right. And I burned 300 to go to – we went London, Paris, L.A. I mean, back to Miami. Now, the flip side of that argument is at least you got the, sec- the, the seats. The, yeah. the, the, not, most people don't. Well, they didn't have first class anymore. American now has this 22-seat business class. And, you know, the guy carving roast beef and the blocks of vodka. That's not ice. there That's anymore. all gone. It's all gone. I know. I don't want to go anywhere. You didn't, you didn't get the memo, huh? No, listen. Uh, most airlines have gotten rid of first class service simply because in, in the U.S. There's only one airline that actually has a first class service transcon. That's American. And the reason for that is their movie contracts. 
with SAG after the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, the Writers Guild, because it's in their contracts they have to fly first class. So they know if they've got the section, the airlines have to get right, that right, money. Right, yeah. But nobody else is doing that. United doesn't have first class anymore. Well, yeah, the, the three-class American was the best, the 777. They still have the, it. Yeah, that's the best one. But you only can get that on a transcom. The nicest flight I came I think it was coming home from you. We were, we were in, in Hong Kong, and I came back on uh, Manila Air. Out of, out of Manila, was it Singapore? And Philippine then, Airlines. Philippine Airlines. It was unbelievable. Most, oh, the beds. The, yeah, it was a, the best first-class service I've ever seen on airlines. I know. So, yeah. And you know what? They're still sort of offering it, but not much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about yield. If you are sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child, please do us all a favor and put on your mask first. You know, here we are in Margaritaville. It's very much branded in the Jimmy Buffett style. Um, and there's some really cool places to eat here. But what makes one of the places really cool, when you think about it, just the whole idea of the, of the concept of the restaurants, is that when in doubt, why not send your own private chef to run the deal? Well, he's with us now. Jimmy's Jimmy Buffett's guy, Carlo Cernalia. That's correct. I got it right this time, didn't yes. I? Yes. And you're the brand concept chef. One of the people that yeah. the, of the team that helped. So you were cooking it. with Jimmy? Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes with Jimmy and, and John, who's, right. who's Jimmy's His partner, partner. Right, And they yes. brought you in here? Yes. To so, okay, brand concept, that's a nice term. How do you apply that? Well, uh, actually, you you think about the location, the, the idea of what Margaritaville is, try to uh, conceptualize that into some fine dining with still laid back feeling right. and that's the idea so, behind so, so give me, okay so give me an idea how you approach the menu then well uh, first of all we have a we are by the water no? yes you have uh, to so you have to even be by if the it, water. even if it's if a steakhouse uh, we haven't come up with a water cows so we <laughs> emphasize in very good steaks prime steaks uh, uh, we did a very long res- research in our steaks. And then, why, don't you, why don't you have a big model of a cow wearing flip-flops? <laughs> well, that's also a good option, but yeah. you know, I don't think it will ma- make many people happy. <laughs> okay. But you had to have other things on the menu. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I was going. Then we are by the water, but sometimes it's amazing how hard it is to find a real fresh fish. So Even here? I- in Florida, in yeah. many places by the water, it's hard. Uh, so in local, so we're uh, uh, we're making an, a very big effort to get to the table fresh local caught fish, and not only that, we're also uh, implementing the, a, a program in the menu that says spear caught fish. So we have a, a diver that free dives for us every day when weather is available, visibility, or there are not too many sharks in the water. And he goes. That's and an spear. interesting consideration. Yeah. Yes, and he's because he's free because he's free yeah, diving. Exactly. So and he catches the fish and he sends us a picture. Say today we have a cobia and mutton snapper and also. Now you know you're in trouble if the shark sends the picture. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we have had to give up the fish because we have a big bite from from a shark and I'm not really this is serious. I'm not making it up. And also there is a and, uh, we're doing also a big effort to try to exterminate the lionfish. That is destroying our yeah, race. Those are predator fish that have to go away. Yeah. But they're an amazing eat. They are. They are. 
They are dangerous to handle. They have a venom, venomous spine and so forth, but you need to know how to do it. And we are catching as much of those guys as we can. So let me ask you another question another way. You got a guy out there who's diving for you, right? Mm-hmm. He's going down every day when the weather is okay yes. to get the fish. Can a guest say, I would like this fish today? Can he go dive and get me one? No. Why this not? It's not a supermarket. It's not like a, like a order on, online. It's just whatever he gets is what you're going to get. And, and we obviously, uh, that's one of the things that is so uh, important about spear fishing that has no bycatch and it's very sustainable. Because you, we have here restrictions with quotas, with size, with times of the year where you cannot catch a grouper, a black grouper. So therefore, if you're diving and you see what you're catching, it's just too small, it's not legal, you don't take it, and so forth. So no nets, you just have to pull no stuff by ca- No, no yeah. bycatch at all. So it's also sustainable. All right, so then here's my stupid question number three. Here it yes. comes. Have you gotten pictures from this guy, the diver? Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Have you gotten pictures from this guy with stuff you had? What is that? No yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we, one day we got a picture from, a, from him that has a very, very big pompano, which is a species here. But normally I have seen, I have seen it like 15 inch, and this guy was like 28. It was in steroids. And you grabbed it. Yeah, we got I mean, it was amazing. You know, I never saw a pompano So did it, did it go on the menu as pompano on steroids? No. <laughs> I just want to sure. I just make sure that we, you know, truth and labeling. You know. No, no, it wasn't that Did it come bad. in like, hello? <laughs> no, okay. So, you know, it's so, uh, what, what we have here in the waters, it's, we have so much good fish that uh, we try to get uh, what it's uh, the best for. Uh, I mean, you can always get salmon because you're going to have yes, it come in from course. another purveyor. And yeah. Yes, and, and the salmon, for instance, we try also to get the salmon that it was raised in a conscious way, uh, environmental-wise, that today there are techniques that are, far, are raised on the, in the wild and not in the tanks and with no, uh, you know, discharge of waters that contaminate the you know the oceans so there are now much more options to keep it as you know as clean and and as nice and and out of no antibiotics and things like that now checking back into the steakhouse for a second you know the words cheeseburger in paradise you got to have it on the menu well we have a wonderful burger on the menu and the the bar and it really you know and, and it's a nice nice burger that we you know a little bit like in the fine dining aspect, but still a cheeseburger with bacon and, and good cheese and tomatoes. So at the end of like the day... Like the song, Latos and Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get sick of that song? Nope. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now our radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Joining me now, a local, someone who I've known for a long time who, uh, who covers this. What does she cover? Planes, trains, and automobiles, of course. She covers travel and tourism. Uh, cruise lines, everything for the Sun Sentinel, the the paper in Fort Lauderdale. Arlene Satchel, how are you? I'm good, Peter. Thanks for having me. You know, every time I come, I, you know, Fort Lauderdale used to be the, the forgotten airport. Uh, it was the airport that people went to when they didn't want to go to Miami, which, by the way, is all the time. Um, Miami still is a, is a tough airport for me. It's gotten better, but it's uh, it's still not my favorite. It has a little more to go to get there. Fort Lauderdale was always a great plan B. But now I'm seeing everybody's flying to Fort Lauderdale. 
Absolutely. Fort Lauderdale Hollywood has grown up. And, um, you know, today she's um, welcoming um, 27 million passengers and expects to, to top So much that. for my yes. secret. Yeah. <laughs> she expects to top 20, you know, to reach 29 million today. And, and it's all due to a lot of, you know, new international service. Um, but I'm going to give you a comparison, which should be a, a reason enough for people to try to check out Fort Lauderdale. If you were to look at a, at a, a round trip fare, even though no, I take it back, a one way fare from Miami to LaGuardia versus a one-way fare of, of Fort Lauderdale to LaGuardia. And that's as of today. A one-way fare from Miami to LaGuardia was 262 bucks, and a one-way fare, by the way, these are nonstop flights, from Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale to LaGuardia on Delta Airlines, 88 bucks. Correct, because Fort Lauderdale is known for having lower costs, so yeah. it's got a, a fair amount of low-cost carriers such as JetBlue and Spirit, and uh, so did you that have, helps. Did you have to mention Spirit? <laughs> That's, They're in our hometown, so yes. Yes, they do fly. <laughs> and you got Southwest there, too. Correct, yes. Mm. So twenty six. Can they? Is, are they full now? Can they even expand anymore? They can. I mean, we just we're going through. Um, the airport is going through a tremendous expansion project right now. Just um, a year ago, opened um, a new runway, which will facilitate more more flights. And um, JetBlue, being the top carrier there, you know, is is still expanding. They want to go up to one hundred and forty flights um, daily in the in the winter season, and they're now about a hundred flights. Um. And the cool thing about the airport for those people who've never been here, if you happen to be taking a cruise. You land at the airport, and about six minutes later, you're at the port. Correct. It's it's an easy transfer to and from the the airport and the port, and and the port is also another big economic engine. And let's talk about yeah, Let's mm-hmm. talk about that because um, this is a situation where not every cruise ship is porting in Miami. You've got a lot more ships coming into Fort Lauderdale too, right? Yes, we do, and 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 you know, South Florida as a whole is is is, is privileged to have two of the busiest cruise ports in the world in in, in Port Everglades and Miami, and and Port Everglades. Um, well, that's Disney. <laughs> that's Disney. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, depending on how the numbers shake up, um, Port, Port Canaveral um, typically is, is is also in the in the top three and and sort of goes toe to toe with with Port Everglades. But but yes, traffic is growing, cruise traffic is growing at Port Everglades, and right now there are about three point seven million um, multi day cruise passengers. Um, and when you compare that to Miami, Miami is about four point eight. But yes, Miami is definitely ahead, but. Port Everglades is, is certainly um, holding its own. Relatively speaking, a little less congested. It is a le- little less congested, um, but it's it's also got you know the the the, the world's largest cruise ships um, being home home ported there in in the oasis and allure of the seas. And in November we get Harmony of the Seas, which, which is, is the, largest. the largest. Correct. How, how big is that thing going to be? Come on. <laughs> you know, I, I I made a joke one one day on television and. A lot of the cruise line presidents were angry at me. I said, some of these ships are so large, I'm, sh- I'm convinced they have high crime areas on board. I mean, because you're dealing with 6,000 people. This is a lot bigger than Mayberry RFD. You know, the cruise industry will tell you that compared to their size and the amount of people that they carry, that, you know, incidents that happen are very, very, um, you know, small in, in, in comparison to, to, to the numbers that they carry. Well, it's so. true. There are no drive-by shootings, <laughs> um, no bank robberies. I mean, you, you can take certain types of crime out of the picture. Correct. But, mm-hmm. but you do have 6,000 people on this thing, and it's just amazing the logistics of getting them on and off. The logistics are certainly um, impressive, um, and and you know from moving the the luggage on board, getting it in the rooms to you know just getting them off, you know, off on and off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, what do you say are the biggest challenges to Fort Lauderdale, uh, considering all this growth? 
Um, I think the the officials are looking at that because with growth you can you can have growing pains, and I I think it's just sort of striking that balance. Um, the airport, for example, is known for that quick breeze in, breeze out sort of thing. So as it continues to grow, how do they do they maintain that balance of getting people quickly in? Same thing for the port; it's just sort of maintaining that process of getting people on on the ships quickly and getting them back off, so that that guest experience is the best it can be. We're talking with Arlene Satchel from the Sun Sentinel here in nearby Fort Lauderdale, because we're in Hollywood. Correct. Mm-hmm. How many people even know what Hollywood is in Florida? Um, you know, it's it's an old city in in, yeah. in, 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 in Florida. And well, the trains <laughs> used to come here, too. I, I believe so. So, yeah. I mean, it's it often gets gets um, you know mistaken for the, Holly, the, well, the other Hollywood, yeah. <laughs> which which sometimes is, isn't a bad thing. But certainly, um, you know, come to Hollywood here in Florida, and it has its own sort of laid back feel. You know, there's no, nothing beats the bro- the boardwalk um, in, in well, Hollywood, which is mm-hmm. why I suppose Margaritaville fits in. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a Jimmy Buffett deal. This is a J- Jimmy Buffett theme, and it's laid back. It's got the you know the characteristics that that are you know talked about in his songs. Um, it, it's it's such a, a a beautiful addition to the the tourism product and 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 that's that's the reception that I've been hearing from other people um, as I report on on the new hotels that come up in this area. And are there a lot of them? There are a lot of them. Um, Fort Lauderdale is is expected to. Well, welcome. Fort Lauderdale, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood. Um, yes, um, a couple blocks down the road, the Melia. Um, oh, the Spanish cost, company. Yeah, the yeah. Costa Melia will be opening um, in a couple of months. I think about summertime, and that's a condo hotel concept. But certainly, um, it's it's great expectations um, from from that. And um, you know, in nearby Hollandale, there are other um, there's a Hyde Park, um, also condo pr- property. So there's a lot of new development both in the Hollywood area. And, and in Fort Lauderdale itself. When people come to Hollywood, since we're, that's where we are right now, what's the thing that surprises them the most? I think it's the sort of juxtaposition between old and new. Um, you know, there, there's still a, lot, a vibrant sort of mom-and-pop bed-and-breakfast type of, type of atmosphere here, and, and it's kind of like um, the characters that you can see sometimes on the boardwalk is also pretty interesting. But I think it's, yeah, it's that sort of, you know, juxtaposition between old and new sort of like the old miami beach sort of like that yes um and and the fact that they live you know the two worlds kind of live together fairly fairly well (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) well with change there's always you know resistance and i think um particularly with this with this resort too there was some fear that it would sort of change that that old world character of, of Hollywood, and and um, there may be some people who still think it has, but I think in general, what I've been hearing is that it's 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 brought a new energy, a new vibe um, to the destination that was that that's welcomed. And you know what? As, as long as it's managed well and it doesn't get out of control, people will then accept it. I think so. I think that's the key. What's the one thing that you're not happy about? I think it's more uh, of, of a case of, 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 of what maybe the, the local government officials or the tourism officials aren't happy about. Me personally, it's just a matter that um, we obviously want more, more tourists and visitors coming in. So, um, But you have to have the infrastructure, otherwise you know, there's to, you traffic to. management too. You have to have it. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? 
Joining me now is someone who I've known from another incarnation. We share a lot of things in common. First and foremost, of course, a love for Madison, Wisconsin, but that's another story altogether. She's the general manager of the Margaritaville Resort. Kate Farmer, how are you? Hello, Peter. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, you've been here, what, about two years now? I have, just shy of two years. And, and how old is the resort? The resort is um, six months old. I know, so you opened it. I did. Uh, you know, in talking to the people around here, you know, anytime you want to build something these days, especially on the water, you've got challenges. You've got to keep the community happy. You've got to keep the locals happy. And you want to keep your guests happy, right? Yes. So you've got a lot of hoops to jump through on this. Um, you know, this was a project that um, has been highly anticipated um, and and um, has been met with generally a lot of excitement um, in the community, in South Florida, as a resort. So it's been an exciting project. But you also of. had to think about impact. You had to think ahead. So, for example, you couldn't build a resort like this without adequate parking. You couldn't result, build a resort like this without adequate wastewater systems. I mean, you really had to do some thinking. Yes, absolutely. Um, parking's a great example of, um, you know, thinking ahead. And, and on any barrier island, parking is a premium. Um, Hollywood Beach is no different. So the resort is built atop of a parking structure and um, makes for great views for all of our guest rooms. And if you happen to be parking in the car, you'll get great views from the parking structure. You do. <laughs> you do get amazing views from the parking garage. Now, of course, it's called Margaritaville. The Jimmy Buffett brand is imprinted just about everywhere. It's themed, right? So... What did you have to learn about Jimmy Buffett to get you up to speed on what the hotel was going to be like? Um, great question. Lots about Jimmy Buffett, the culture, the company, um, you know, the songs, the music, um, and the lifestyle is what people know, um, and they always look to sort of a destination, a paradise. They, they, they look to experience what Jimmy sings about, um, and so that's really what um, we deliver. And uh, were you a parrot head before? I wasn't a parrot head. Um, I had appreciation for the music. And, you had parrot and, head appreciation. Um, yeah. And my first concert um, was in Alpine Valley. So, you know, I, I certainly um, knew Jimmy and I knew the music, but um, not as a parrot head officially. So then who would you describe as your clientele? Um, it's very They can't all be parrot heads. They aren't, and it's very diverse. Um, so it's um, you and I. It's true parrot heads who have seen more concerts um, than you can count, um, and it's people who don't even necessarily know Jimmy Buffett or his music, but who look for the island paradise lifestyle and, and destination. And then what did you build into the design of the hotel that would support that? Um, you know, it's very um, inspired by the sea, um, by things that Jimmy sings about, the um, love of planes, the love of the ocean, the love of um, all things nautical. So you see inspirations throughout the resort. You see some theming. Um, you see his lyrics um, in, in certain landings of the elevators. But um, it's, it's a very upscale luxury, but it's also um, comfortable. But, you know, the names of everything are very much themed that way. The, yes. name, of, the name of the pool is... Uh, land shark or lone palm pool we have two named pool right. and we have the license to chill pool and the spa and the spa is saint somewhere spa <laughs> and you can get a cheeseburger in paradise I, oh God. I knew, <laughs> see i i knew that was coming i knew that was coming mm. uh as a general manager from other hotels you brought other philosophies other approaches to this job with you what did you have to throw out Oh, good question. I, um, you know, the, the formality of some hospitality and some hotels um, is always at the forefront. Here, it's 
more about service, more about experience, um, and delivering that um, to our customers. Plus three words, no dress code. No dress code. I mean, really. I don't get to run around in my flip-flops, although I could on occasion but you're dressed, that way. I mean, honestly, you're dressed less formally today than you would be if you were managing a uh, uh, the Waldorf Astoria. Yes, I am. Right. Yes. So no flip-flops, but no, do any of your employees wear a jacket and tie? Um, some do. Okay. Um, nobody wears ties, yeah. um, but some wear jackets. Okay. Do they wear pants? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> some wear shorts, some wear pants. I, I know I had, to, I had to do that. What's the biggest surprise that you had when you came to this hotel that you weren't expecting? Um, I think the biggest surprise for all of us has been how many people walk in and out the door just to see and experience Margaritaville. Um, and it's constant, and it's um, so diverse. I was told by one of your chefs that, how many covers are you doing there a day? Depends on, on what. A we, on a weekend? Um, depends on the restaurant, but we'll do 20, 20. No, how many, no. <laughs> how, many, how many covers are you doing? Um, we'll do thousands. Um, we'll do a couple thousand covers in Margaritaville. Um, we'll do 500 covers in just the little um, hot dog stand. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. Joining me now, uh, the guy responsible for Margaritaville, when you think about it, Alon Tabachnik, you, you developed this property. Yeah, but it was a team effort. It wasn't just me. I, it usually is, but but how many years in the making? This took seven years. It was at local regulations, trying to keep the locals happy, trying to make sure that they understood that you weren't going to you know turn the place into a 24-hour casino? What? Exactly. It, uh, it was five years of development approvals and two years of construction. Was it always the idea to, to have Jimmy Buffett involved? I live on Hollywood Beach, and uh, when the market crashed in 07, 08, I was walking on the Broadwalk, and Jimmy had just put his name on Dolphin Stadium, and they called it Landshark Stadium, and the <laughs> lights in the background, lights went off in my head, and I thought it'd be, wow, what a fit. Jimmy Buffett in Hollywood, in Florida, on the beach, I thought it was a great fit. So you went to him and you said, what do you think? I did. It took uh, about 90 days to get through him to get the answer to that question. But I would send uh, John Colin, who is the CEO of Margaritaville, uh, pictures of Hollywood Beach for 90 days. And finally, he said, who is this guy <laughs> in Hollywood? Hollywood where? And I finally got his team down here. And when they saw the location, they saw six acres from the intercoastal to the ocean. The beach that's here, the Broadwalk, they were in. So basically, it's, it's like a licensing situation. I mean, it's, he doesn't, like, run the hotel. No, this one of the things that... Uh, uh, my uh, little bit of wisdom was that I wanted Jimmy as a partner. I didn't want a licensee. Right. I wanted to know that he was in 100%. I had done license deals with other people in the past, and it's not the same as, as being an equity owner. So uh, 
Margaritaville and, and my company went in this as joint venture partners. So he's in. He's in. How often does he get to the hotel? Uh, Jimmy's here often. Uh, he lives not far away. This is probably the biggest venue closest to where he lives, and uh, he enjoys coming here. And rumor has it he wants to land his seaplane out in front. We've checked that out for him, and it is definitely <laughs> possible to land a seaplane on the intercoastal. And you'll get approval for that? It's a navigable water. He can land it there. <laughs> so what's keeping him from doing it? You have to ask Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> he's circled. He's buzzed the place a few times. I'm sure he has. In developing this, obviously there were things you tried that didn't work and things you thought would never work that did. What's the one thing you thought, this will be great here, and two minutes later you said, nah, let's not do it? Well, one of the early plans is that we were going to have his seaplane on the beach here and build a bar around the actual seaplane. Well, well they, I've seen some of his bars where they have the, sea, the, the sort of the seaplane there. Yeah. No, at, at uh, City Walk, that is a, yeah. a real plane. Yeah. The problem with a real plane, it has wings. And in the event of a hurricane, you got to move the plane. So we didn't have that ability. So we took the seaplane and we put a miniature one inside the restaurant and we built uh, the Lone Palm Bar, which is a big tiki hut out on the Broadwalk, and uh, took its place, and it worked out very well. But the original thought was having the seaplane there. But what did you build into the design that has actually paid off, and what did you build into the design that's just been a pain in the you-know-what? The Airstream trailer selling hot dogs has been a super surprise at how successful that is, and we retrofitted an old Airstream. Um, really... Everything that uh, we planned and put in here has been very successful and has succeeded our expectations. Um, if I had to say, I would Except for the fact that it took seven years. Well, good things take time. I mean, it You've was... You've used that line before. Yes. <laughs> it, it really was a, a public-private partnership, so it took a little more. We had to make sure that we... Uh, you had to have buy-in from the city. Needed buy-in from the city. We needed cooperation from the city we needed contributions from the city this was a did jimmy have to attend some of those meetings uh jimmy didn't attend those meetings but uh, john colin did which okay. was probably better <laughs> <laughs> jimmy does what jimmy does well perform gotcha has he performed here yet no he did he, he did had, he had the grand opening performance here on the broadwalk and it was it was great he was unbelievable unreal so when people come here what's the biggest surprise to them that they're not expecting the flip-flop in the lobby Explain. I would, I would say uh, we had a, a large flip-flop commissioned, and uh, it's right in From a flip-flop artist, of course. A perfect flip-flop yes, artist yeah, yeah. named JC. Uh, it's anonymous, but um, they did a great job with it. It's an oversized flip-flop, and it has the pop top on it. And I would say that 100% of the people that come here take their picture in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> Any plans to do other Margaritavilles? Yes, we are looking at different opportunities all over the country, and I think you'll see uh, a bunch more Margaritavilles in the near future. And as, now take your hat off as a developer and put your hat on as a customer, as a guest. What's the thing that you'd like to see changed here? Be honest. I'd probably like to see um, a bigger area by the bandshell um, with more tables and chairs down at the bandshell level. Uh, integrate that area a little more than we do. We just have performances uh, um, five days a week from 7 to 9, but I think we can do a better job out there and integrate. And, of course, more chairs means more revenue.
You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast on the new location somewhere around the world. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.